This is the Hard Mark Podcast, starring Eric Donaldson and Ryan Murphy. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 15 of the Hard Mark Podcast. Thank you very much for, for downloading, for streaming, doing whatever it is that you're doing. My name's Eric Donaldson, I'm the host of this fine program, and with me as always is the man of a thousand compliments, the soul skater, the mater d of Matt drama, the Tampa Bay topsider, the living painting, the talent, Ryan Deathmatch Murphy. And before we get into our episode here today, Mr. Ryan Murphy, I wanted to just set the stage there's been a lot of negativity out there in the world today, and I, I want to be a reprieve from that negativity. I want to, to uh, I want to spread positivity via via this show, via this program. And so, right off the bat, before we even engage in any sort of uh, you know tomfoolery or shenanigans, I want to just say. Um, sometimes Ryan, I know I can be a little hard on you because you do very little preparation for this show. <laughs> and you, you, you seemingly retain no information from one episode to the next about That's... anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and there's a butt coming here, but uh, yeah. I will say, I think it is commendable that we've gone now 15 episodes of a, a podcast about professional wrestling and and not only have you stuck with it but you're here you're you're engaged uh you know to a certain extent anyway but you're here like if somebody was to approach me and say eric i'm going to start a dragon ball z podcast and i really would appreciate if you were taking part in it i'd probably say let me think about it and then i'd never respond back to that person but well, you have not done that you've it, been here Every time. In fairness, in fairness, Eric, when you first brought this up, I think it was probably like probably I said I would think about it, and then I didn't, you know, show up. Um, I mean, but but you you eventually came to the team, came to your. I did. I'm surprised I'm still here too. Like, don't I'm just as surprised as anybody. Like, <laughs> um, but I, I I'm still surprised. I you you brought. You know, all this podcast gear up. And this was at work, I think, at the time we still worked together. And you're like, no, like, you know, I was like, fuck that. Like, uh, and then I don't know how this really happened. I still don't know, like, how I ended up agreeing to it. But um, yeah, it is, I, yeah, it's at 15 episodes. That's, 15 and episodes. they're like getting progressively longer and longer every single time. Like, <laughs> I think the first maybe like an hour and a half now, it's like pushing three hours every time. Well, I mean, a lot of that is, is, is off air. It's us kind of studying the material that we're discussing. But, but right. you're right. The actual recording time, it, it has gotten longer. Um, we'll see what, what, today, what today brings. I know it's not an especially long match that we'll be watching. But I, I wanted to just, you know, uh, set the record straight. Uh, thank you very much, Ryan, for, you know, <laughs> indulging in this. It is very strange that someone who has no interest in professional wrestling has made it this long in a pro wrestling podcast, but nonetheless, uh, thank you. I know that our listeners are very appreciative of it. Uh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah. I know that you're a man of a thousand compliments, but are you the man of a, of a thousand thank yous as well? I, I don't think you do. Not a lot of people give that genuine of a thanks, uh, and receive that genuine of a thanks on a, on a daily basis. Which yours? 
You're yeah, saying? the one that I just gave you. <laughs> is that where this is stemming from? You wanted to test my, like, man of a thousand comments, like, nickname? No, I'm not testing it at all. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's a very genuine, hey, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for being a good sport. Thanks for hanging in there. You know, when someone says, like, you're wearing a nice shirt, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Like, that's 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 an easy compliment to accept, you know. Right. Uh, um, uh, this, yeah. But how often do you get a nice, like a genuine, not a, not a compliment, but a thank you, like a really meaningful thank you? Like when was the last time Greta looked you right in your eyes and said, you know what, Ryan, thank you so much? Well, <clears throat> I, don't, I want to be careful with my words here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was yeah, recent. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would say that is, that is true. Um, so what do you want me to say? <laughs> no, nothing, nothing. That's it. That's all. I, I said my piece. Uh, you, you've then accepted the thank you, and then that's that's the end of it. We'll put a little bow on that. So there you go. Um, thank you, Eric. For what? Oh, God damn it. You can just accept it. Well, what are you thanking me for? I'll accept it if I know what you're thanking me for. Well, it's, not, it's a very nice compliment, you know, 15 episodes deep. You know, I've, I, you know, I put a lot of work and time into this. I don't just hop on here like... 5.30 on a random, you know, Tuesday night. I, uh, this takes a lot of time. I, the preparation that goes into it and. Yeah. And that comes know. through with every, every, every love and morsel. Good. Good. Yeah. For the, this is for all of you. Yeah. Really. This is for everyone taking the time to follow us on social media and, uh, and all that good stuff. But in case this is your first time, I don't know, maybe you picked a, a random episode. You wanted to go in a multiple of five. Who knows? Uh, this podcast is all about pro wrestling of sorts. It's somewhat of a pro wrestling podcast. Uh, I have been watching pro wrestling for now about 30 years. Ryan has watched a grand total of 14 matches uh, in full in his entire life. So we're, we're meeting in the middle. The things that maybe I take for granted about the weird and wild world of professional wrestling. Uh, Ryan's here to kind of be my eyes on the ground, see these things, question these things. And uh, together we build a mutual understanding and love of pro wrestling. Is that about accurate to what we're doing on this I program? I think that's uh, that's a fair representation of what's, what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that uh, I know we were talking about Facebook drama before we we hit the air earlier today, and and I'm not going to necessarily get into the the story that we were talking about earlier, but there was another bit of Facebook drama that happened in my life recently that I did want to recount to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you'd find it of interest. I don't know. So this may tie into the fact that I'm getting older, but it seems like there's certain things that happen, especially on social media platforms where I just maybe Eric of three or four years ago would have been able to sort of navigate these types of items in a little bit more of a, a seamless type of way. But now I don't know what I'm doing in a lot of cases. And that comes back to bite me. I'll just give you an example. So recently, have you ever noticed on your phone, uh, Facebook friend requests, no longer do they just show up in the Facebook app, but sometimes you will actually get a notification Mm-hmm. About his friend's suggestion. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the perfect response. Yeah. So I got one of these notifications about a, a friend suggestion. Not a, not a request, but a suggestion of who they think should be my friend. And I was kind of absently minded paying attention to it. 
I pull up the Facebook app, and again, I'm not 100% used to the whole idea of like getting these push notifications for when it's a suggestion. And so then I absentmindedly hit the button. And ordinarily, it's not going to be a big deal. The, the, the weird part, the part that made me feel awkward was, so the f- suggestion in this case is a friend of mine's wife who I've never met before in my entire life. <laughs> and so <laughs> okay. I've never met this person. I've, I've seen pictures of, of the two of them. She, she's an attractive girl. She's a mm. very attractive girl. But because it's an attractive girl and it's a girl that I've never met before in my entire life, yeah. I felt like a huge creep just friend requesting her out of nowhere considering I've never met her. And so then I had to try and scramble to like figure out how do you undo the friend request. I couldn't figure out how. It's probably possible, but I couldn't figure it out. So then I ended up just sending this really awkward message to my friend saying, hey, I didn't want you to think I was being creepy. I accidentally friend requested your wife. Uh, I thought she friend requested me, but she didn't. Uh, It was just a suggestion. I, I've also done that too. I sent a text message about a coworker to a like a not a very nice text message, calling her like, because I think I was trying to send Greta something. And I was like, she's a compulsive liar. Like this is fucking like this is like I'm so like annoyed with her because I and and I sent it right to her. And I, my next shift when this was like lifeguarding that I had to like go work with her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can you just, like, if someone cover my shit, this is going to be too awkward to, like, handle. I just called her, like, a very nasty, like, thing, you know, like, I, and um, so I, I mean, it's a little bit different, but yes, trying to cover your tracks of that sort of thing, I've, I've, I've experienced it. <laughs> While we're on the subject of non, non-wrestling things uh, for a moment, I suppose, I've got a couple of other things I wanted to, to run by you. Yeah. So, grown men... I've noticed kind of fall within a couple of different camps and I want to just kind of get a gauge on your reaction to this topic. So I'm just going to hit you with a word uh, and, and you just, and you just kind of roll with whatever hits your mind based on this word. You okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Cereal. The, I mean, I like, <laughs> that's such a generic, there's so many like routes you could take. I don't know. Like cereal, like, Mostly, I assume like breakfast. Like I've, I've never been a cereal fan. Yeah, okay, so that that's what I'm trying to get at. So you're not okay. a cereal guy. Is that okay? Is that where you were trying to go? Because I, I yeah. Okay. Well, some people feel very passionately about cereal. I've known people yeah. who have filled like huge popcorn bowls full of cereal as like a snack at night. I feel like I feel like you talked about cereal before uh, somehow, but maybe that was someone else. I I'm not a cereal person. I if I eat cereal, I like it dry. I don't like milking it because um, it gives you the runs. I don't, so, <laughs> there is, like, lactose-free milk, Eric, and, <laughs> and, and, I, and I, and I really used to, like, as a kid, like, like, chocolate milk, like, lactose-free, and so, like, but I don't like soggy cereal, like, I, that's not my thing. Sure, right. I don't, like, it's, it's disgusting to me, even the thought of, like, pouring any sort of liquid into your dry cereal, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's that's a little harsh. That's that's pushing it a little far. It's disgusting to you the thought of putting a liquid into your dry cereal. Yes, a hundred percent. Why? I don't understand. Because you're afraid of the sogginess. I'm a very like like texture oriented person. Like certain foods I want to eat because of the texture. Like 
all like peanuts, but like walnuts have a certain texture, almond, same thing. And so like to, to the idea of getting your cereal wet has never appealed to me at all. Um, but I'll what eat other, it. Hold mm-hmm. on. Hold on. I, we need, I need to explore. I need to explore this more. So you mentioned walnuts. You, you mentioned almonds. What other texture based things are you not a fan of? Like, I don't like bread if it's not toasted. <laughs> bread? What, like any bread? I won't eat a sandwich if it's not toasted. Um, what? Yeah, I don't like the like the idea of, like, like meat getting on a, something that has no, like, hold to it. Um, so, like, that's, I, a tex- that's a texture thing, I guess. Um, you know that we don't have a Quiznos sponsorship. You know that, right? You're not trying to angle something on the side <laughs> here on me? No, I, I <laughs> runny like runny eggs is another thing that I just I can't stand. Like the eggs have to be well done. Um, there's probably a couple other the bread thing like is is the weirdest part of this. So so okay, sandwich you 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 will not eat a sandwich unless the bread's been toasted. Like period, flat out stop. Yeah, no, I would not eat like a no. But a lot of burgers, that's not always going to be like toasted bread. Uh, I mean, generally, like I, I, <laughs> like, I feel like they at least run it through like a conveyor that kind of toasts it. I'm trying okay. to think of like, like so I don't eat a lot of fast of food. Bread. What's that? What a nice loaf of French bread. Like you go out to I a love, restaurant, they give. Yeah, I love bread. French bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so that's so, an exception then to your toasted bread. No, I don't. I still wouldn't necessarily like. So like deli meats, I don't like, especially like the stuff that's prepackaged. Like if you throw a bunch of that stuff on like bread that's not toasted, but like if you, I'm I'm mainly talking about like a loaf of bread, like your standard sandwich, right? Your okay, your sure. thing of white bread, or yeah, you do not put a uh, sandwich meat on that untoasted. I and I just I don't understand the people that that do it. I'm gonna risk because I feel like right now there's a lot of people that are on my side as being like, what the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? But. Mm. At the risk of, of losing some of them to your side, can I just say I don't even own a toaster? Oh my fucking god! Are you really? Yeah, I don't. We had one that we never used, and we just ended up getting rid of it. In fact, oh. right now in my garage, I have a toaster oven just sitting there, complacent, just doing nothing. I may have overreacted to your not having a toaster statement. Uh, <laughs> I. I just think, like, either it's not that big of a deal to me to, like, I go out of my way to toast up. It's just that, like, if I don't, I think I actually toast, like, fairly infrequently. But, like, if I do have a sandwich, I I, I toast it. And if I don't have a toaster, I'm just not going to have something else, like, you know. Uh, So, but I, you know, I don't particularly like having to toast everything. Like, it's just a a flaw of mine. It's It's a burden. Yeah. But uh, I guess I get not having a toaster. I just I I mean you should you you should probably I mean I remember when you didn't have an air fryer in your life. Yeah, I still have only used it the one time. To be fair. Oh my god. <sighs> Sorry. It's okay. That's fine. Uh, you know what I like bread wise, as long as we're on the yeah. bread subject, is a nice English muffin. Um. Yeah. Okay. It's good as part of a sandwich. It's good just by itself, a little bit of butter on top. Hard to fuck up an English muffin. That's good in just about every scenario. I don't hate the idea of an English muffin. I just like they're they're a little like the texture is a little off on them a little bit. What 
the fuck texture god damn it well so to go back to my original yeah <laughs> would you say that your favorite cereal now that we've kind of divulged this whole toast uh, thing would you say that your favorite cereal is cinnamon toast crunch i did like cinnamon toast crunch yes <laughs> as a kid like because it's a it's a cereal you can just eat like without you know you don't have no milk is needed no milk is needed for any cereal but especially cinnamon toast crunch um i'm trying to think there have been a couple cereals that I have also enjoyed sans milk, and I'm trying to remember exact. Oh, uh, cocoa pebbles. I would enjoy a nice bowl of cocoa pebbles, just just yeah. the pebbles. I don't need milk because those tend to get soggier faster than your conventional cereal. I found Cheerios uh, will retain milk for longer without decomposing. Uh, so they, those are a good milk-based cereal product if that's a, a term that people use which i don't think that it is yeah i mean i mean cheerios are probably made for i mean that's like stereotypical like 1980s shit right there on the fucking tv you know the, the what stereotypical <laughs> 1980s we watched, we watched, what was just a, we we just watched honey honey we shrunk ourselves like yeah. 1989 like that movie like the original uh-huh. and uh like one of the scenes is like or Honey, We Shrunk the Kids, I think is what it was, not Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. But, like, um, you know, this the kids and the cereal bowl with the Cheerios and the milk. And it's just, it, it's the most, like, 80s fucking, like, advertisement for Cheerios you could ever, like, you could ever get. Um, That's because it's the greatest cereal of all time. Here's a problem. Real quick, I'm going to go on a, on a Cheerio tangent because in my household, my wife is firmly on Team Honey Nut and I'm on Team mm. just regular regular old Cheerios. Here's the problem with Honey Nut is it has a weird glaze on it uh. um, where it's kind of like slick and, and you can almost taste like the whatever sugary yeah. shit that they put over the top of the Cheerio. Just plain old Cheerio. That's what you need. Do you put you don't put any like sugar or anything in it? Mm-mm, no, if I'm gonna have Cheerios, I just eat them straight up with you know a number two milk. Yeah, I just I, I get like I mean you like I like the idea of playing Cheerios. Don't get me wrong, I just don't think you need milk in them. Like you just eat them like it's. <laughs> You're apologetic over something that I have no interest in. I would never eat Cheerios plain. That's bullshit. <laughs> you need milk for the Cheerios. They that's the perfect compliment. Also, milk goes great with a nice peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You don't even need to toast the bread. Just have the peanut butter and jelly and you're all set. Yeah. No, I mean, I was never a big peanut butter and jelly fan either. <laughs> I was like a big, like, I, I'm like I'm like a, a pastrami or roast beef or turkey just guy on a sandwich that's a little bit toasted. That's it. That's all I need. With I'm going to close must- out mustard. <laughs> with so, I mean, those are delicious things, but that's not – you can't just have those readily available. Like, peanut butter and jelly will last you fucking forever. You just buy them once, and then you're good for, like, six months to a year. But, like, these other the deli meats and stuff, that's going to go bad within the matter of a couple of weeks. That's not a reliable thing. And in these troubling times, you need to have something that will last you a while without frequent trips to the store. Top ramen. <laughs> What about it? Shit. It's the best food out there for cheap. Like I, if, if it wasn't for like the very high like sodium like intake that you're 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 you know putting into your body, like because I add more salt to it, which I know is already it's already very high in you know salt and 
Uh, I would eat that every every day if I felt like I could sustain that, but I, I don't anymore. I feel like my blood pressure would, you know, like shoot up. Yeah. Um, but it's probably already at a concerning level if I had to say to guess. Okay, thanks. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. You just look. You just look like a guy with high blood pressure. I don't know what it is about you. But if I could just do like a way, like you know, you have your PB and J, and I could just have top ramen. That's what I would do. Um, well, hold on. I didn't say I didn't espouse the virtues of peanut butter and jelly as much as you did for top ramen. I enjoy on occasion a nice peanut butter and jelly. But if I was pigeonholed into like a food, a variety of food to have every day, it would probably be pasta roni. Is that cheap? Yeah, it's like rice roni but pasta. It's only like a dollar a box, but it's very good. Yeah, I mean you're not as cheap as top ramen, but you're close. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, no. We're if you're comparing, you know, how much is the top you were ramen? Just like comparing 20%? it to, you're like you could like I could live on. I was making my argument against like toasted sandwiches. You're like, well, you can't live on that forever, Ryan. It's gonna get expensive. You can have PB and J in your cupboard for months. I didn't say expensive. I said it was gonna go bad eventually. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly, you could just whip up at any time. It's a reliable source of fuel for your body. You eat a lot of jelly. I, I assume it goes bad after a certain point. Well, I, oh, well, I eat never, preserves. It never goes bad, Eric. What doesn't go bad? Top ramen. Oh, okay. Well, I could see that. But uh, I don't know. We, Our household, we go for a, a higher level of ramen. We're Ichiran fans in, the, in this abode and oh, hedonism for it. All right, yeah. I'll, I'll get you a box for Christmas if, if you know, this <laughs> thing's still going by then. Yeah. Um, all right, fair enough. Well, I think we established that Ryan has some very weird quirks about food, so we can go ahead and cross that off the list now that we've established that. Uh, should we get into... Uh, the match that we're going to be watching here today. Yes. All right. So let's get right into it. Uh, you remember a gentleman by the name of Jerry the King Lawler from, uh, eh, gosh, it was maybe 10 or so episodes back at this point. But you remember him, the King of Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, he's one of my favorite guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, the last time that we saw him, it was in a losing effort against uh, Andy Kaufman, famous actor, stand-up comedian Andy Kaufman, okay. and Mouth of the South Jerry Lawler, or J- not Mouth, of- Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart in a handicap match. Yes, I remember that. I, I do remember that match. I, in fact, uh, that, that match it was highly rated. I was going to say the same thing. Currently, it is our number four. So number four out of fourteen matches. Price is still that high after all these. Uh, like I thought this kind of the, the scene, the background, the whole, like, you know, what that match was made it number four. But I'm so surprised that, you know, number four out of 14 now. Um, well, we'll see if, if this this next match kind of joins that rarefied air or if not so much. But I think... I'm uh, not talking shit about the match, Eric. I'm just saying, like... No, I, you're, you're very defensive. Remember, this is a positive episode. We're bringing positivity into people's hearts and minds today, Ryan. Uh, but no, I think what, what you enjoyed about the match was... The fact that it was a lot of shenanigans, like there was a lot of like Andy Kaufman doing like double windmills with his arms uh, as punches. And it was just a lot of hijinks and uh, tomfoolery. Um, I think if I remember right, you actually did lose. You you predicted that Lawler was going to win. And then uh, by hook or by crook, the team of Kaufman and Hart actually won the match. <laughs> I mean, it sounds unlikely that I would lose a match, but I know, which yeah. actually that you mentioned that. Do you know what your record is off the top of your head right now? 
It's got to be like 11 and 4 or something. 11 and 3. Very close. Uh, you're 5 and 9. Okay. <laughs> and, that's, and that's with winning handily the very yeah. first match that we did. Like, you know, certain scenarios, I, okay, this guy's going to, and I'm, I'm not doing well at like handling that whole like process, but, uh, you know, tonight, my 15th episode. Yeah, fifteenth episode. You're gonna turn around. But one thing, actually, so I do. I like the method that you have going for yourself now, where you're basically just saying, "Hey, whoever I like more, yeah, that's my pick." Doesn't really like. I don't know necessarily who's going, who I think will win, but I just want to choose with my heart. And at least that way, you know, you you feel good about your choices, regardless. It's funny that you mentioned this. This wasn't on on something that I had uh, on the top of my mind to talk about here today, but I did see a post today on a message board a uh, pro wrestling message board i do go on them every once in a while it's, i don't know why i would but i do sometimes uh people were talking about how supposedly they can tell when someone's going to win or lose based solely on like their body language and their facial expressions as they're making their entrance down to the ring mm, the real early call yeah real early call suppose and i've never I've never been someone to kind of look for these types of things. Like for me, that's just not what I don't necessarily care um, to try and get like an insight into, Oh man, Oh, look how pissed they look. That means they're going to lose. Like, that's not fun for me. Like there's certain I'll analyze from a storyline standpoint. Okay. Where does it make sense for this story to go? But I, I don't really look at it in that perspective, but that's just another way that certain people have yeah. apparently yeah. sorted out to determine those types of things. So not s- suggesting that you try to do that. But people do it. Well, we'll see how it goes this match. And then, you know, after this, I might have to come up with a whole new way to, like, uh, you know, analyze and evaluate these matches. Because, like, I don't think either of the first two have been successful, you know. So, um, but you're right. At least I can kind of justify if they, you know, like one way or the other on this. Sure. Uh, you know, so that's that's where I that's where I stand with it. Yeah. And I don't know that we have enough data to, to reevaluate whether or not this second method's been accurate or not. I don't remember when you kind of made the shift into Yeah, we can mark that. that. I, guess, I guess going back on the uh, pog, you'll be able to, to kind of tell. Probably, yeah. Um, this is the number one analytics-based uh, <laughs> pro wrestling podcast yeah. involving one person who doesn't know anything about pro wrestling uh in the history of podcasts. So actually, yeah, we have a lot of analytical data that we can pull. Uh, I've got my Tableau report going, so I think we're going to do pretty well. sets, yeah. But uh, where were we? Yeah, Jerry Lawler. You remember Jerry Lawler. (laughs) So just a little bit of background, because I don't think we, I think we mostly focused on Andy Kaufman last time, but just to give you a little bit of background about Jerry Lawler. So the King of Memphis, King of Memphis, Tennessee. He started his career back in 1970. You were just a, a little little spark in your father's eye back 1970? then. 1970? Yeah, 1970. Your father was alive in 1970, I'm assuming, right? Yes, seven, I think, I believe. Okay, well, there, that was more, that's that's impressive. You don't strike me as someone who would know how old your parents are, but you've, you've impressed me today, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> uh, unlike a lot of the wrestlers of that kind of 70s, 60s era, a lot of them broke into pro wrestling after they played football or maybe they had a friend who got them in because back in those days, like the NFL really, they weren't paying a lot of money. The NFL was not uh, the huge lucrative cash cow that it is now. So a lot of dudes um, who got into professional wrestling and were good at it were making substantially more 
as wrestlers than they ever would have in the NFL in those days. So just a fun little fact about that. Uh, but neither of those is how Jerry Lawler broke in. He actually got in because of his drawing ability, his ability to actually illustrate. So he would draw caricatures of these wrestlers, and then they would sell those caricatures at the wrestling shows. So that's kind of how he got his in into the Memphis wrestling business. Can you draw? No. Uh, over time, uh, he became the main star in Memphis, so that was kind of his home base. That's where he just you know stayed for the really the duration of his full in-ring career. Uh, usually he'd have a run of a couple of years as being a good guy, and then he'd switch over to being a bad guy for a couple of years and just do that for the, you know, another 15, 20 years or so. Uh, so this match that we're going to be watching here today took place in April of 81. Neither of us were born yet, just for a little bit of context there. I were a couple of young, young men, the two of us. Uh, he was in the middle of his good guy run, so he was, he was a, a good guy wrestler. Uh, in the years leading to this, Jerry Lawler had been wrestling all the top NWA wrestlers. Do you remember when we talked about the NWA a while yes. back? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the NWA is basically a collection of different territories from each all over the region. So Memphis, they were trying to establish Lawler as being like a top guy and potentially an NWA champion, the National Wrestling Alliance champion in the future. So he was fighting and beating all these former NWA champions and guys who were like top contenders for the NWA title to establish Lawler as a big draw. And so one of those guys that Lawler competed against was uh, one of his biggest ri rivals, a man by the name of Terry Funk. And that's who he's wrestling here today. Okay. All right. Uh, so Terry Funk. Little bit of, little bit of backstory around this. So there's a quote that I've seen floating around. I don't know if Terry Funk actually said it, but I've always thought of him whenever I've heard it. I can't make people believe that pro wrestling is real, but I can make them believe that I'm real. And so that quote, I think, perfectly encapsulates Terry Funk. I, I think for wrestling, it's a powerful quote. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think it's perfect it kind of encapsulates uh, like like non wrestling fans and it's just that's a solid quote I I, I yeah it's nice I'm gonna put it on a on a shirt and get you that shirt you can you, wear is it a shirt oh you just gonna, no no no, no yeah no if you can <laughs> yeah okay there we go deal uh, so the main thing about Terry Funk is that everything that he does is authentic and that's probably the thing that separates good wrestlers from great wrestlers is the great ones you believe like that's a real person. Like for example, Ric Flair, Ric Flair isn't like anyone I've ever met in my entire life, but I can absolutely believe that there are human beings out there that are just like Ric Flair. Yeah. And, and like, those are the types of people that you would want to watch probably from afar. You probably wouldn't want to get in too many business dealings with them, but like you can absolutely believe like that's who that fucking guy is. And so Terry Funk is the same way. He's very authentic, but his character is totally different from Ric Flair. So <clears throat> everything about Funk is very entertaining, but at the same time, re based in realism, it's very realistic. As a good guy, especially in his later years, he was kind of like this kindly old grandpa sort of figure. Like you just wanted to root for him and hope that he'd kind of make it out and not get hurt too bad. Uh, but as a bad guy, mainly in his younger years, he was this wild, completely crazy Texas cowboy uh, who is simultaneously an arrogant loudmouth and also a coward who backs down in a fair fight. So in many ways, the perfect wrestling bad guy. 
he's probably not the popular choice for the greatest wrestler of all time among like current day wrestling fans. But I would say among old school fans and, and, and among like people who actually like are pro wrestlers, he would have to be considered one of the top five of all time. So you're saying he's not like, <laughs> like all time. He may not be up there, but I, that's, so, that's a high, I mean, that's, that's a tough ladder to climb. I assume like the, to be all time, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's one of those things. Like if, if somebody's only been watching, you know, over the past 10, 15 years or so, Terry Funk's probably not going to be someone that's on their radar. But I think if you look at just his credentials and his just raw ability, in my opinion, he is one of the top five. But you have to consider the fact that like the standards of what wrestling is today in 2020, it is different than what it was in 1975. So there's a I mean, certain all, element of that. All, all these guys are born in the, in the 40s. Like I just... <laughs> Like all of them are born in the forties, like so. That's a that's a different era for sure. So let's see. Terry Funk is still alive. Uh, let's see how old Terry Funk is right now. He's forty four, right? So he's seventy five. Yeah, seventy five years old. Yeah. Oh, are you looking up pictures of him too? I, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just pulling up like just quick him, but I mean they're they're all old as I think they're all alive, right? Like. Well, I mean, Terry Funk's alive. Yeah, I don't know who else you're seeing right now. He's born at 49, 70. Who? Jerry Fowler. Oh, Jerry Lawler? Jerry Lawler. Sorry, not Fowler. Sorry. It's like, who are you talking about? Okay, Jerry Lawler. Yeah, Jerry Lawler. Yeah, yeah. both these guys are still still kicking. And I think a lot of that has to do with, I mean, in the case of Lawler, he always lived a pretty clean lifestyle. Terry Funk, I mean, I don't think he did hard drugs, but I'm sure he did his fair share of drinking back in the day. But um, anyway, what was I saying? So, okay. So as far as kind of like what makes a great wrestler, like what, what are the, the key components of a great wrestler? I mean, part of it is credentials. So Terry Funk is one of the few traveling NWA champions left, which is, in my mind, one of those romantic sort of ideas of, man, how cool would it be to be the champion of pro wrestling back in, you know, the sixties or the seventies. And you're just traveling from town to town, you know, you're there for maybe a couple weeks and then you're just moving on to the next place. Like your whole job is to make the local guy look good and be like, Oh, he almost, he almost beat the champion. Like our guy could have been the champion if it, if just one thing had gone differently, it was just such a cool concept to me. Um, so because of that, he really perfected the ability to make his opponents look good in just about every scenario. So, I don't know if you remember Bret Hart. So Bret Hart was the the one guy left standing in the Dream Team versus Million Dollar Team match. He was the one that you thought was going to win, and then he got rolled up. His brother died right before that match. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember being a little emotionally tied to that to that round. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, you were you were up in arms, but you took it you took it like a champ. I think you were you respected how that ended. But anyway, so Bret Hart in his autobiography, he, he created basically a rating system for how you can rate a pro wrestler. And so he would give them a one out of 10 score for three things. So he would rate them one out of 10 for look promos. So interviews and in ring ability. And so I think that's a pretty fair way that you could look at a lot of wrestlers and kind of be like, okay, like what, how would you score them on each of these different things? So there's a lot of guys who could probably be tens in one category. Uh, you have to be pretty, pretty good to be tens in multiple categories and you'd have to be a all time great to have high marks and all. So I think most people would probably say a guy like Hulk Hogan 
you'd have to give him a nine or a ten out of for looks. I think <laughs> he's just a handsome man. Yeah, I, I I think you're a little biased in this, Eric. Why would you say that? He he was six foot eight and three hundred pounds, and he. Oh, he, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I think you're a little. Let me clarify what I mean by looks. Looks, I'm not saying attractiveness. I'm just saying like the ability. Yeah. Like if you saw that person walking through an airport. Would you like stop and stare for a moment? That's that's probably yeah. the greatest explanation. And like if Hulk Hogan with his silken silken blonde hair and impossible impossible tan and being that huge, if he walked through an airport, you wouldn't help but just be like, what the fuck? And so I think Hulk Hogan, you'd have to give a nine or a ten to. If you disagree, by all means, Ryan, chime in. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree, but like you could also say that like a lot of these wrestlers who walk through the airport would be like a nine or a ten too, just based on like the shock value of them walking through an airport, right? Um, I mean, maybe. I, I, there's there's guy. I mean, Bam Bam Bigelow. I would say his, his looks probably you know eight, nine, ten, somewhere like that, like that as well. But there's other guys like I mean, our number one match right now, Will Osprey. Will Osprey just looks like a regular dude. You wouldn't necessarily know that he is is anything in the world of entertainment like he's just you know five foot ten and 190 pounds and you you wouldn't necessarily know that so uh yeah i did these guys are just so okay i think i i think you're right i think you're, it goes to your point i'm just saying like that's your guy right there like you could have a you could have a yeah, eight foot picture back on your wall right there right behind you of hulk hogan and that would be your so <laughs> Uh, but I mean, you could use another analogy. Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior would be a nine out of ten. I think Ultimate Warrior is a big piece of shit. But objectively, I think you'd have to just say, like, fuck, he had an incredible look about him, like with the face paint and just the wild hair, and he was just yeah. steroided up. Like you'd have to give him a nine or a ten. Now, using the Ultimate Warrior analogy, uh, as far as in ring, uh, one or a two probably, maybe maybe three tops. What would you give Hulk Hogan? Um. I would probably give, and that's, it becomes a little bit more subjective. I think probably like a four or a five. Oh, okay. Oh, that's okay. All right. Fair enough. Like, because he couldn't work any style. He, he had a very specific thing that he could do. But like, if you're measuring how good a match was based on audience reaction, Hulk Hogan always got an audience reaction. So like, you could make a case like he was a fucking nine or a 10. I probably wouldn't say that um, just because it's not like a style of work that I think is something that's super that, that I don't think it lasts the test of time in, in that okay. regard, but that's fair. That, okay. You may. Okay. So what was the third one? So it was looks and then like in, uh, in ring like ability. And so it was looks in ring ability and promos. So interviews. Oh, okay, okay. Basically, the ability to talk. So like, Ric Flair would be a 10. Hulk Hogan would probably be like a 9 or a 10. Uh, Ultimate Warrior would be somewhere. I don't know. I mean, his promos were intense, but they made no fucking sense. So I'd probably give him like a 5 or a 6. So, you know, we, when you look at those three categories, that really gives you a sense of like how talented was this person. Okay. And kind of what the main basis of becoming a star in pro wrestling is because you got to be able to work to a certain degree. You got to look at least interesting, if not good. <laughs> and you, you have to be able to talk. So as long as you can do two of those three things, you'll probably be okay. Uh, but to kind of go back to our, our topic at hand that we're talking about. So Terry Funk, 
you, you saw pictures of Terry Funk. You looked him up. He wasn't a bodybuilder, but he definitely looked like a big, tough bar fighter. And so for his look, I'd probably give him probably like a seven or an eight. Okay. Most of the Terry Funk pictures that come up now are like him as like an old man. I mean, the first one. <laughs> the one where he's wearing the Japan headbands. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was, yeah. I've seen that a couple uh couple times on my searches so i mean are you are you asking me to judge him on his look no you don't have to i'm just i'm just giving but, you some yeah, content yeah i mean i again it's i kind of judge these guys off like the willingness of me to like actually like ever get in a ring or even close to them <laughs> okay not someone i would ever want to get close to like uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's fair uh, there you yeah. go so I give him an eight, eight for look for my personal rating. Promo, I'd probably give him a ten. He's one of the greatest promos of all time. Just fucking great, and he was great as both a good guy and a bad guy. And I think that's important, is because a lot of guys are good as one, but substantially less are equally as good at both. And he was great as as a heel or a, or a babyface either way. And then in ring. I'd probably, you'd have to give him like an eight or a nine. It was a completely different style of work. I mean, he's not going out there and doing a shitload of flips like a Will Ospreay or a Shingo. But, uh, you know, for, for that time and for what other people were doing, like in that era, he had to be an eight or a nine. You, you had to be that level of work to be an NWA champion. Yes. <laughs> what are you looking <laughs> up right now? Have you... Uh, <laughs> NatureboyRickFlair.com. Nature is this gonna give me a virus? I don't know. Here, I'll just send you the link. Please. Is it his actual website? I don't know. It's just a great <laughs> actually kind of a nicely done site with his just, you know. He's old now. You can yeah, I mean He's real old. He's also on Cameo. I think we talked about that already. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. That this has gotta be his real site. As a quick, I keep we keep getting off topic, and I I apologize for that for everybody. But one thing I did notice recently, I hadn't I don't know why I didn't pick up on this sooner, but so Ric Flair generally considered to be one of the greatest of all time, he only has one match on our list, and it's almost at the fucking bottom. And I didn't realize that until I was working on the whiteboard the other day. I was like, holy shit, Ryan rated the Ric Flair versus Sting match so low. So, so that was the one where I think you, 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 um, you kind of pestered me to like watch the thirty for thirty on Ric Flair. Did I? Uh, well, no, I don't think I did. I said you could. Uh, I feel like I mean I have to. I have to go back. I could. We be... watched some promos. I don't know. I there is a thirty for thirty on okay, Ric Flair. Honestly, you may not have done that. Like, yeah, I think you sent me something from that, like his interview, which is very good. Uh, yeah. And then, and then they were like, you told me there was a 30 for 30 or maybe something like that. But like, yeah. uh, I remember hearing just a lot about Ric Flair at the time. And uh, I don't, I, I feel like the match didn't live up to what I had, had led up to watching the match. Yeah. So I think that was part of the, the downfall of that one. For but context, we- Ric Flair versus Sting currently, right now in the rankings, it's, one spot above Vampiro versus Kiss Demon, <laughs> which I literally gave you a DVD that said the worst match of all time. I, it's right here, Eric. I still have that DVD <laughs> right here. <laughs> That's shocking. Yeah. And you know what? It's underneath. You know what Ric Flair versus Sting is? It's under. Uh, no. Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. 
Oh, oh shit. <laughs> so yeah. you right now are not a big Nature Boy fan as far as I'm concerned. See Eric with my eyes and I give the people my first judgment on that, you know, like that site that I I will never guilt you for your opinion. I think yeah. that, you know, again, the whole reason that you're brought into this because fresh eyes, it's it's something new right. and I wanted to get your opinion for it, but it's batshit crazy to me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the build to this match, we've talked a little bit about Terry Funk. So the build to this match is that Terry Funk claimed that Lawler had everyone in Memphis on his side. He's the king, king of Memphis, so he's got everybody on his side. So the fans, the cops, the referees, all of them are conspiring against Terry Funk. Now, of course, Terry Funk's the bad guy. He's full of shit. But that's his sort of out for why you know Lawler's been been beating him in these matches. So to combat this... Terry Funk challenged Lawler to a fight in an empty arena with only a cameraman and an announcer present. Oh. No fans, nothing else. I like that. I like I like where it's going. Is that yeah. this match? That is the match we're going to be watching here yeah. today. Good. Empty yeah. arena match. Um, I will just kind of give a quick disclaimer. There's no official announcement like this match is over because there's no fucking referee. It's literally a cameraman and an announcer. And that and the wrestlers, and that's it. But there is a very clear winner and very clear loser, so we're just going to go by that. But there is no official announcement. But it's not as vague as it was for Vampiro versus Kiss Demon. This this is very clear. Make the argument that I didn't actually lose, right? Because no one ever called it. I mean, I know you're going to do that anyway. But (laughs) yes, I'll I'll allow it. But there is an official winner and loser in my eyes of this, of this bout. So just a a quick FYI around that. Um, So to that real quick, I actually, and we can leave the the recording on, maybe I'll play a little uh, bit of this audio for folks. I actually have a link of the challenge that Terry Funk made to Jerry Lawler. And I wanted to send that to you. It's just a quick four and a half minute um, promo. It's on YouTube. I'll send it to you right now. But I, I think this this is what's setting the stage for this fight. Terry Funk has uh, something that he wants to explain about, and we uh, are obliging him with that time. First of all, I'd like to say that Jerry Lawler is a son of a jackass. He's a lover of chickens. He has a one-track mind the same way a hog does at supper time or slop time. He's got a one-track mind just as that hog does, but he's not concerned about slop. I want to tell you, Lance, what he's concerned about. The man is concerned about money and money alone. And within this area right here, he has got the fans on his side. And besides having the fans on his side, he has got the police on his side. And besides the police being on his side, he's got the officials on his side. And I would like to say this, he's got you on his side. This is a completely one-sided thing where Jerry Lawler is involved. Now, I am telling you people that he has got one thing on his mind, and that's money. And I'm going to prove to you Lance that he doesn't have any guts and you see right here is I have got a date 
I have got a time and I have got a place. This is a personal invitation sealed right here to Jerry Lawler to ask him to meet me by himself with nobody else involved at an area that I know, he knows, and you will know, and I want you to bring the camera down there, but I don't want a referee. I don't want the police. I don't want the fans. I don't want money for this. What I want is I want to compete against Jerry. Lawler and I want to get him down and hold him down and I want to make him say to me personally, Terry Funk, you are the better man. Terry Funk, oh Terry Funk, oh please let me up and let me go. That's what I want to make him holler. I want to see if he's got the guts to come down there. The guts like I don't think a lot of people have around here. And I'm talking about the fans, Lance. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about a lot of different people. But Lawler does not have the stinking guts to come down there where no money is involved, where nothing is involved except personal pride. And I do have Texas pride, believe me. Well, there it is. Take this. Okay, I will take it, and I will deliver it to Lawler in there. No money, no fans. He's crying Homer and all that. Well, there's the challenge from Terry Funk to Jerry Lawler. Thoughts? Um, the chicken lover. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know, well, well said. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I thought Terry Funk. He he seems like he has a lot out for this. You know, he's not in it for the money. He's in it for the the sport. You know, he's really gonna. Yeah, you know, no hands on deck. He's gonna come down, and I, I. This this is what I think is actually like underrated about wrestling too. Is like these pregame like matches where you have like you know, kind of the commentator and the guys doing the interview and like that whole like you know back scene. Dude. I don't think you see that enough. Um, yeah. That's the best part of wrestling. I mean, like without that, it's just guys competing. You can't, you need you need something to kind of fuel the reason for why they're competing against each other. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's what separates it. This was this uh, was well done too. It was it was ni- nice touch on like everyone's part. You know, like yeah. Uh, I thought Terry Funk said you know his piece. <laughs> he said a lot of his piece. Maybe overstated his piece. I don't. Know. <laughs> Uh, 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 <laughs> well, if Jerry Lawler wasn't such a lover of chickens, he wouldn't have to overstate his piece. <laughs> what does that? What does that mean? I'm interpreting it pretty literally. I think Jerry Lawler fucks chickens, or yeah, well, let's... you were. I mean, if that if if you're just taking that at face value, that's that's what it is. Um, so well said on his part. <laughs> but he is a, he is a national treasure. Terry Funk actually did some acting. He was in a couple of Sylvester Stallone movies. I can, see, I can see him. Yeah, he's Texas boy, right? Like. Yeah. Big yeah. intimidated raw bone dude. Yeah. Uh, anything? I know we kind of we we've been phasing out the Ryan's corner as of late. And I do apologize, but do you have anything for Ryan's corner that you'd like to to mention before we watch this thing? You know, every 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 week or whenever we do this, like uh, it's right after that I have like some idea. But um, uh, I would say I'd come prepare next week for one. But you know, well, we know that's not true. We'll we'll count the whole serial tirade as being uh, okay. Ryan's yeah. corner. Yeah. Then. yeah. Uh, perfect. 
Well, with that said, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to give you our thoughts of Terry Funker's Jerry Lawler, the empty arena match. We'll make sure to post this link on our social media channels, on our Twitter, our Facebook, everywhere else. Uh, but yeah, we'll see you in just a little bit. Thanks. Now, look who's here. They're over here, yeah, Randy. Now, look who's there. Well, if it isn't a clown. Okay, I'm going to get over here and get... I'm going to get... Hey, Lawler! Come on up here. I'm going to break your crown. I'm going to break his crown, Lance. Look at that fool. Look at that idiot. Don't you realize that there's nobody here? You jack You idiot. Terry Funk already in the ring. Jerry Lawler now coming up to the... Uh, and uh, we'll just have to take care of the language on this thing. Funk is just raving. Funk wanted Lawler to say, I quit on the microphone, is what he's trying to make him say. Funk going after Lawler at the eyes. I'm sure you can hear Terry Funk. What a vicious thing. He busts off right in half one of the two befores. Lawler now trying to get back up, stumbles back into the chairs, but he's back on his feet, and here comes here comes Funk with that spike in his hands. Funk with the put the hey, come on, come on, come on, Lawler, come on, Terry, come on, Lawler fighting his way back has just slammed Terry Funk. Kicked him right in the elbow where he had it. Terry Funk is down now. Lawler back on his feet. Lawler picks up that stick that uh, Terry Funk had. Put it down now. The, man, the man's eye. Oh. I can't see. Doctor. Doctor. God help me. Help me. Quit. Please help me. Help me. That's my, right. His eyes hurt bad. My eyes. Mm. Okay, we'll get some. My, my eyes. Terry Funk. My a victim of his own plotting in there. Lawler kicked him right in the elbow, and the stick stuck Terry Funk right in the eye. Lawler, please. Go, Dr. Lance, please. Go. Look at it, Lawler. Please look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Please. Help me, please. Okay, I'll go call. God, Lance, Lance, please don't leave me here. I'll get somebody. This son of a bitch. Get somebody to help me, my eye. My goddamn eye. My eye. Where is he? Where is Lawler? Where'd he go? Where is Lawler? My eye. Where is that chicken? Where's that damn tower? Where's Lawler? He's yellow. Lawler's yellow. He's yellow. Lawler, come back here! You yellow pig! 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 All right. So we are back. 
Ryan, back to his winning ways, successfully predicted Jerry the King Lawler defeating Terry Funk in the empty arena match. Let's go right to the notes because, yeah, there was a lot to discuss in that match. Hopefully you got a chance to watch along uh, in the interim. If not, I think you'll you'll appreciate a little write-up, and you can always come back to it in the future, folks. Uh, so we started by watching that Terry Funk interview. We talked about uh, him referring to Jerry Lawler as a lover of chickens. Uh, and then we cut to the match. And we have uh, Terry Funk alone with famous Memphis wrestling commentator Lance Russell. Uh, Terry is very impatient that Jerry Lawler is officially late for their meeting time. And so he's looking under the ring. He's checking in the stands and engaging in all sorts of shenanigans there. Uh, Then Terry proceeds to count Jerry Lawler out with a very animated one, two, three, four, five. And declares himself the unofficial winner. But that, of course, does not count. And then right after Terry Funk challenges Lance Russell to a fight, that's when Jerry the King Lawler shows up in all of his resplendent glory, crown and cape and all. And you you liked that they were both wearing wrestling gear for the street fight. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be, it's not about the money, it's not about, it's just going out there and, like, you know, fighting. But he came fully prepared in, like, you know, his wrestling gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what I would expect in a, you know, 30,000 fan layout. Yeah, um, for both of them, for both of them, they both showed up. Uh, like you said, professional. Exactly. Jerry Lawler shows up. I just fuck the whole thing. Every line that Terry Funk says in this thirteen-minute match, I think, in my opinion, is fucking gold. So, like, when Lawler's coming in. Terry Funk's like, I'm going to break your crown. And then he turns to Lance Russell. I'm going to break his crown, Lance. Like, just so Wait. fucking full of himself. I think is, is so Lance Russell. That's the guy who's who's doing the commentating during this. Yeah, yeah. He, he is perfect guy to do this match. Yes. Uh, I, I he's he's your classic like you know 1970 era like you know kind of commentating like you know old very old like old old school like yeah. Um, you Even know, when Funk was like threatening him, too much fussing on the show like when you right, say right, right. <laughs> clean up uh, the language we gotta try and use this and then when like funk's like yeah. threatening him as opposed to like begging off like please sir don't hit me or anything like that he's just like well knock that off yeah exactly. no no it's just it's it's so well done like he could not i i enjoyed i i like good commentary but he was like exceptional uh, yes. i appreciated that part of it one of the best of all time in my yeah. in my opinion. lance lance russell's great yeah. um let's see here so they they start brawling a lot of wild Wild bra- Oh, and actually, before they actually start fighting, while uh, Lawler's disrobing, Terry Funk, you got a knife on you? You got a gun on you? Like, the whole, fu- every line is so fucking good. He's wild. He's just, he's, he's all over the place. It's not, it's like there's some sort of mental, like, you know, like, I, it's, 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 he's just, he, it's, it's very, um, uh, just, like, very sporadic. And he, like, he... My eye, I guess we haven't gotten there yet, but sure, like, sure, sure, sure. But yeah. no, I, I have some, I, there's some things that I noticed just when we were watching it right now that I hadn't really put two and two together on before, but we, uh, we'll talk about the bit at the end in, in just a little bit. So, uh, a lot of wild brawling. I love Terry Funk's haymakers where he's just swinging with his entire arm, like the way that you would expect in just a sloppy ass bar fight. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was right in the beginning. Yeah. Was... Yeah. Right in the beginning. Uh, they brought to the floor. There are some bits where they're throwing each other into into chairs and throwing chairs at each other that you seem to appreciate. 
Um, it was just like he, they would like throw him into chairs, and then he would like he'd be thrown into two and like grab like six on the way down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that trauma. Yeah. How were those chairs like set up too? Because like it was like they were kind of like prop, like lean back a little bit, but I don't know if they were on like. It seems like they were set up in a certain way where they was just like you know. Yeah. Yeah, they were connected. It definitely seemed like each chair was like connected in like pairs of two there. But uh, yeah, and then Lawler got a couple thrown at him. Um, let's see. Uh, I think we may have been chit chatting during this bit here, but there was a point where after the whole chair uh, incident, Terry Funk retreats and then just starts shouting, "Leave me alone!" Like just trying to retreat, and then that's the point where he breaks the sign and kind of carries the the sign as a weapon into him with the ring. Uh, yes, and that was that was the one point where I think he got him, but that was it. Yeah, his pretty much his lone bit of offense was he hit Lawler with the sign. They roll back out to the floor. There was the the pile driver on the concrete again. Another pile driver for you, Ryan. I know you're a big big fan. Yeah, that one wasn't even that good though. Like I wasn't like. Well, I think it was the most dangerous one that we've seen on account of like there was no padding. It was just solid ground, and so I think that's kind of why. It I think everything else overshadowed what, what that pile driver could have been. I maybe <laughs> just the ridiculousness of, of this match. Um, yeah, sure. I so. can see that. Uh, so after uh, Funk pile drives Lawler, Funk starts shrieking, basically like wanting Lawler to quit and say that Funk's the better man. Uh, at that point, Funk. So he said that at the beginning too. So he did. Yeah. Well, he was consistent he, throughout. He, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing if not consistent. So then Funk goes to one of the wooden steps, breaks one of the legs off the wooden steps, and basically creates a spike out of it. So he's going to use as a weapon. Um, and so he starts going for Jerry Lawler's eye with this spike. And so there's kind of a pro protracted sort of uh, grappling to try and stab Lawler in the eye. Eventually Lawler gets out of it. He kicks Terry Funk in the elbow, and wouldn't you know it, Terry Funk stabs himself in the eye, hoisted by his own petard. Uh, so then at that point, Terry Funk starts crying, like actually like crying. Uh, Jerry Lawler leaves the arena, and then Funk starts pleading for Lance Russell to help and calls out that Lawler is a coward, and that concludes our match. The one thing that I noticed about the um, crying bit at the end, so after Funk gets stabbed, he reminds me so much of like a sibling. Like when you get in a fight yeah, with yeah. your brother or sister, and then inevitably one of you gets hurt and just starts bawling and asking for your mom or dad to help, that's exactly what Terry Funk was at the end of this fucking match. I mean, aside from the like calm, calm down, don't like stop screaming, like he just kind of like faded away into the background. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a fair like kind of assessment of, of what it was. Uh, that was a that was a weird match. That was that was a weird match. I I don't really know how to score that one. Um, it was, that was weird. Well, we'll let that marinate for just a bit. But yeah, I just love the fact that in pro wrestling there is kind of a phrase about showing your ass about how if you're a bad guy you can't be afraid to make yourself look like look weak or look like a pussy because you're a bad guy wrestler. That's what you're supposed to do. And like. Terry Funk was completely fearless, even though he was like a legit tough guy. He knew like, this is what I need to do to progress 
this storyline forward, I need to basically just look like a, a, a whimpering coward. So that's what he did. And then only once Lawler's gone, that's when he starts calling Lawler a coward. It's just brilliant yeah. bad guy wrestler shit. It's just like the dynamic was like, and also like, you're, like you're watching it and you're hearing him yell out, but you can hear everything. You can hear what he's saying. So you're wondering, like, if, is this what it's kind of like? Like when the fans are over, like, you know, you're not being kind of inundated by the fans, like going like crazy. And like, how, right. what are they saying on the match when they're like holding their face? You know, like, sure. Right. And, my eye, like, you know, or is it? <laughs> and right now with everything that's going on with the coronavirus, like pro wrestling still happening. There's still weekly shows of pro wrestling in the United States. But it's been, up until just recently, it's been em- completely empty arena, like, similar to this. Um, but I remember seeing this at the time, having never seen anything like it, and just being yeah. blown away by how different it was and, like, how well it worked in spite of there not being any fans. Like, like, like I mentioned earlier before we started watching it, it's almost like a Terry Funk one-man show. It's just like, go out there and be fucking nuts and for for 10 15 minutes and, and see what comes out of it. So I I I really enjoy Terry Funk and I think this is a good sort of yeah. representation of of his skills. But before we get into you rating it, so that'll be the the next thing up, but I wanted to just kind of give you a little bit of history. I know we are kind of running to the end of the episode, but I wanted to give you a little bit of history about wrestlers and attacking eyes. So to kind of bring it full circle, Wrestling wrestlers and attacking eyeballs that go together like peanut butter and jelly, my friend. They they are thick as thieves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I say this, so there's a lot of stories about how old time wrestlers would actually attack people's eyes, like if they're in bar fights. So, um, for example, there's a dude named Haku. Maybe we'll watch one of his matches eventually. He was sued for biting a man's nose off, and he also. Uh, one time in a in a fight with another wrestler backstage was like on the verge of ripping his eyeball out. So a lot of old school wrestlers would learn how to do that type of thing. Well, there was even like a grab in the beginning where he like grabbed him by the eyes, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've heard a lot of stories of like old school wrestlers. They they would pluck a guy's eye out and it'd be like left hanging. So maybe you're trying to fight off five guys in a bar. You got one eyes one guy's eyeball hanging out. The rest of the guys probably aren't going to want to fight you. So that that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little little fun fact there for everybody. Now, as far as rating the match, pull up our list here. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna be a, a tough one because like I thought the theatrics are like like the story. I I, I don't know where I'm gonna put this. <laughs> where are you thinking? Middle, top, bottom? Where where what general area? And then we can kind of work out the like, match. I don't want to keep putting everything against uh, up against like Charlotte and Rousey. I think it's unfair to their match. Uh, <laughs> and it's so they, very misogynistic of you right yeah, i don't want to do that, do that. Like, they, had, they had a good match their match was their thing and like i i don't like it wasn't a great match but it was very it was like it was a solid match i like you know the idea of no fans like you change it up every once in a while you do some shit like that i liked it and it was sure. but it wasn't like it i mean as far as like wrestling i didn't think it was that you know yeah no, it was, it was definitely more of a, a, a wild brawl than it was a wrestling match. Um, so I guess, so it sounds like middle-ish. Our last yeah. episode that we watched was RVD versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, would you say that you that you would rank this higher or lower than RVD versus Bam Bam? 
Where did I put that one? You put that number seven out of 14. So it's right smack dab in the middle. So if you yeah. remember, it had Bam Bam. It had the couple of dives out to the out to the audience. Um, there was the bit at the end where, uh, which also had a spike. Like I think I would put it. I think I would put it behind that. Okay, so that would be above Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Then, so you're thinking this would be the new number eight. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's probably fair to just leave it right there and not drop it any. I think I, you know, what was number nine? Uh, number nine is uh, the Shield versus the Wyatt family. That was that big uh, six oh, yeah. six man tank. With the country hillbilly cult versus the tactical armored uh, fellas. So low. You were expecting more from it. It got a, it had a pretty slow start. It was more of a move match, and I don't think that the moves grabbed you as as much as you hoped. Like it was less of a. I guess I just didn't like the actual match. Yeah. Just, same with this one. So yes, I guess I'll put it like just one. Put it right there. Put it number eight. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, above Hulk and Macho or below Hulk and Macho? I, I think we were. Uh, I, I feel like I did not like Hulk and Macho like all that much. Really like the commentary of Hulk and Macho. You're no, mad no, at me because I like the commentary of this match too. So put it, put it, put it one above them. Okay. All right. New number eight. Um. You know, I'm just. This was. I mean, for a one man show, this was. This was good. Um, you know what else is big news coming out of this episode here today? What is that? You're on a two-match winning streak, my friend. Puts you at six and nine. <laughs> Greta, you hear that? <laughs> uh, perfect. That's awesome. Uh, anything else that you want to put on the record about Terry Funk versus Jerry Lawler before we put a bow on this episode and get to Eric's wisdom tree. No, I, that was a, that was a tough one to judge. I feel like a little bit badly for putting anything be behind that and also in front of it. <laughs> a man, a man of conflicted emotions, Ryan Murphy. Well, Terry Funk will do that to you. Uh, one other quick thing I wanted to make make it known uh, mm-hmm. on this episode. I know I keep. I'm not intentionally trying to taunt you with this information. Deathmatch? The Deathmatch, episode 30 Deathmatch. I want you to know, I have not forgotten, this episode right now is the first step to that. Okay. And the reason I say that is because Terry Funk will be involved in episode 30, the Deathmatch episode. Uh, um, Is that that a real Deathmatch, or is that like... Yes. Uh, we may have to discuss. There's nothing to discuss. This is my. I'm the host. Once we can get person to person, like we may have to like. That may happen sooner uh, or sooner than we think. But no, this is. I have a. I have an idea that that may be a day where we where we both need to clear our schedules. But uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Terry Funk, <laughs> one of the yeah. main participants in the big death match episode thirty episode. Really looking forward to it. Should be a good one. But. This was the first step. This is an introduction to one of those combatants. Um, So with that said, Eric's Wisdom Tree for today. And this is the segment, in case you forgot what Eric's Wisdom Tree, it's the segment where I impart to you, the audience, a little bit of wisdom. And then Ryan has one of two reactions to this wisdom. (laughs) Either he's mad that I didn't tell him about it sooner, if it's something he's never heard before, or if it 
is something he's heard before. He chastises me for telling people something that everyone already knows. So there's no winning, uh, no matter what information I tell people. But I, I do it anyway. I have, I have a couple of items. I'll, I'll just pick this. Sam Rockwell is a great actor. Oh. <laughs> Sam Rockwell, what's his, uh, what's his star, star film? Uh, what is his star film? Let's, let's see. If I just Google search Sam Rockwell, what's he going to be best known for? Lawn Dogs, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I... I've never seen Lawn Dogs. I've seen Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is great. That's a great film. Is it? Is it really, or is it? I think it's great. I loved it, and it was very under the radar. But I, I enjoyed. I have it on DVD. You're welcome to borrow it. Oh, he's married to. Oh, he's married to Leslie Bibb. I know who she is. I feel like I don't recognize this guy really at all. Like he, was, I know you're not big into Marvel movies. He was like the best part of Iron Man. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So was this some sort of unpopular opinion, or? Pardon me. Is this like an unpopular opinion? No, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I never hear people talk about Sam Rockwell, which is a shame because I think he's a great actor. If you get a chance, check out some of Sam Rockwell's work. I think he's he's a great dancer as well. He's a good actor and dancer. What was your other wisdom tree? And I don't I don't know anything about this guy. What do you mean? What was my? I have a couple of things to pull from, but I wanted to keep it positive. I mean, I have a negative one. Do you want to hear the negative wisdom tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably yeah. You want to hear the negative wisdom tree instead? Yes. Okay. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog's trash. <laughs> uh, okay. See, this is where I could get on. Like, I'm not a big avid video game player, but like that was a great Sega Genesis game. Uh, it brought a lot of people together. Uh, Are you being serious right now? Yeah. Fuck off. No, 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 no. no, no. That was. That was honestly one game with the rings and the loops and the everything you could do in that game. I, I vividly remember playing it, and like I said, I'm not a big. I've never been a big video gamer, but I remember that one uh, uh, very, very positively uh, in my head. So why, why, why do you think it's trash? It is trash. I don't think it's trash. It's a trash video game for trash if, people. If you think Sonic the Hedgehog is trash, you could you could say any, you could say Super Mario uh, like is, is trash. You know. Super Mario is objectively not trash, for the record. So here's the thing. I was always a big Nintendo fan growing up, but I always had like a healthy respect for Sonic the Hedgehog, but I never really spent a whole lot of time playing it. I never had a Sega system growing up. Recently, my wife and I, you know, just because we have all this time at home now, we I have like there's a new version of Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, it's meant to be exactly like the old ones, like Sonic 1, 2, and 3. And so I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be like a, a callback to the greatest moments of Sonic. This is going to be a really good representation of that. And so my wife was playing a Sonic. I was playing his Tales. And it was one of the worst fucking video game experiences of my life. Player 2 doesn't get a chance to do fucking anything. Sonic is zipping around the stage. And I'm just Tails, not even controlling my fucking character, floating, flying, and like... It's it's a shitty two player experience. You don't even get to do anything when you're Ooh. fucking tails. What was the remade on? Was it play PS4? I, I, I'm sure it's on Xbox and uh, and PlayStation. It was I was playing on PlayStation Four, yes, but I'm sure it's on like Steam. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a terrible fucking game. But it's a even though it's a terrible fucking game, it's a great representation of Sonic the Hedgehog because Sonic the Hedgehog is fucking <laughs> trash. Okay, 
All the right. only good Thanks. Sonic the Hedgehog game is Sonic Spinball. Period. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a little surprised to see you like take this side of it, but um, uh, but you know it's it's you know for an air explosive tree, I think that's that's what I that's what I needed more so than this other fucking guy. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bring positivity in the world. Now you got me all amped up about fucking Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to just talk up. Sam Rockwell, who's a great actor, you should check him out, by the way. But yeah, now you made it about a negative thing. But uh, I think that concludes it. Hope none of you are going to play Sonic the Hedgehog again, because that is a trash video game. Just play Mario instead. And uh, next episode, what do we have lined up for next episode? I always like kind of giving people a little teaser trailer. This will be no different. As Ryan goes to eat his turkey burgers, we are going to watch... <laughs> okay, I forgot this is happening. So, every now and again, I like spicing it up with some matches that are generally a little bit less well-regarded than some of the other matches. So, we are going to be watching uh, our first foray into a company called TNA. We'll talk more about TNA uh, next episode. And a little little hint, this match will involve a former cast member of the show Survivor in their one and only professional wrestling appearance. So if you're somebody who thought that pro wrestling was super easy to do, we're going to test that theory next episode. I'm a big Survivor fan, so... Is, is that true? No, it's not. You're fucking with me. No, I'm not. I do. I, I, I do. Like <laughs> no, and like I shouldn't say like I haven't carried on like, you know, this... Uh, up through now, but like especially in those early seasons, I loved it. Yeah, let's see. let me see if this is someone that you're familiar. Let's see. So, whoever is this person on? Da, 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 da. Were you watching in 2003? No, but I'm. I'm uh, so is it is it Jenna Jenna Marasco? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know her? I, I, did, I did pull that one up, but like I, I knew. <laughs> Uh, that was that was almost like prime time, like kind of Survivor, like I think the early two thousands. Oh, so, so you were watching, so you're familiar with this human being? Y- yeah, around that time. Yeah, I, I ta- honestly, I mean, it's two thousand two. It's been eighteen years now, but yeah. Um, sure. I, I might go back and just watch that, like watch that whole like season. Do it. You trained her, her body and her mind and her soul for pro wrestling. So we'll we'll see how that played out for. Her. Uh, in uh, the next episode but i think we're good everybody i think we're done we'll catch you on the next time thank you for downloading and streaming and whatnot and uh enjoy give give ryan some toasted sandwich recipes while you're at it uh, he'd really appreciate it i would no say bye to the audience ryan <laughs> don't don't put this on me say eric. Goodbye. eric no hey. don't say goodbye ryan <laughs> Ryan, no, no. At this point, I refuse to. No. Why? Don't you want to wish them well? No. Jesus fucking Christ! Thanks no. for listening, everybody. Goodbye. I hope you have. Well, actually, here, yeah. Thank you for for postponing because I have my thing that I have to say. So thank yeah. you for reminding me about that. Uh, if you're not hard, get hard. Once you get hard, stay hard. Keep it tight or whatever. I don't. Is that what I say? What do I say? Is that that was basically it, right? It was, yeah. You got the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If you're not hard, get hard. Once you, you get said hard. That. No, I, I know I said that, but I got It's one thing. If you're not hard, get hard. Once you get hard, stay hard. Take it sleazy, everybody. It's the take, take it, it sleazy. sleazy. 
That's the sign. That's the sign off. Okay. Take it easy. Like, take it easy. Do you want to say goodbye to people now? No, you're just like, yeah, you're just throwing this in now. This is a new thing. Say goodbye. No. No, I'm not saying goodbye to anybody. Jesus fucking Christ. I'll say goodbye on behalf of Ryan. Goodbye, everybody. The chicken lover.